long time ago in a podcast setting far, far away. It's been a year since Kodo Cinema premiered its 100th episode, Kodo Cinema Episode 100, Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Although the episode was released on the WEIU website, the legacy of Kodo Cinema lives on after Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man, graduated in May of 2022. Prior to last year, Mark Kodo decided to continue his movie podcast on different platforms that include Spotify, Podbean, and iHeartMedia. With the legacy of Mark's movie podcast as he continues on, Mark decided to take on another Star Wars movie for his next movie topic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, aka Kodo Man. Well, if you heard if you heard that opening crawl right, I'm going to talk about another Star Wars movie. Now, obviously enough, for those of you who remember, last year I talked about uh, Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope for my 100th episode, prior to not only my graduation but also in honor of May the Fourth, since uh, May the Fourth is also known as Star Wars Day, and of course with May the Fourth right around the corner, I might as well talk about another Star Wars movie. And that will be Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Well, originally titled The Empire Strikes Back when it was first released, although I guess you can make the argument that it's called Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back is a 1980 American epic space opera that is directed by Irvin Kirshner from a screenplay by Leah Brackett and Loris Kasdan. And is also based on the story by George Lucas. So George Lucas was still involved with Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. But as more but more on the story with Lawrence Kasdan and Lee Brackett as the writers. The Empire Strikes Back serves as the sequel to the, the, origin, to the original Star Wars movie that came out in 1977. Although later renamed to Star Wars Episode 4 New Hope. Empire Strikes Back has served as the fifth installment of the Skywalker saga overall, but it still serves as the second installment in the original trilogy. Now, the movie itself is set three years after the events of Star Wars. The film recounts the battle between the Galactic Empire and the Rebel Alliance, led by Princess Leia, including Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Luke Skywalker begins to train to become a Jedi to master the Force, so he can confront the powerful Sith Lord Darth Vader. The film has an ensemble cast that includes Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and Frank Oz. And of course, as I already mentioned, the film was released in 1980, although in the United, in the United States, it was released on May 21st, 1980 in the, in the United States. But it, was also, it also had a release date back in May 6th of 1980 at the Dominion Theater. The film grossed over four hundred million dollars. However, it had it had different. It also had subsequent release re-releases thereafter. So basically, the film has grossed over five hundred five hundred million dollars, with the estimate between five hundred thirty-eight to five hundred forty-nine million dollars on a budget of thirty point five million. So it was basically a box office success. However, prior to its release. Unlike its, uh, unlike its predecessor, Empire Strikes Back, 
met with a mixed reception from critics and fans. They were conflicted about his darker and maturer themes than those of the lighthearted adventure from, from Star Wars Episode Four. However, critics praised the expressive features and characterization of the puppeteered character Yoda, to which Yoda is being played by Frank Oz, who serves as Luke's teacher. And of course, the film went on to be nominated for, for multiple Academy Awards, win, winning one for Best Sound, and of course, a special Oscar for his, for his visual effects. Plus, John Williams was also nominated for Best Original Score. And of, and of course, uh, after there were also, and of course, over time, Empire Strikes Back has, became, has, been, has been reappraised by many film critics and audiences and is now often regarded as the best film in the Star Wars series and among the greatest films ever made. And it had a huge impact on not only the filmmaking industry, but also pop culture as well. Most notably, the film's climax, in which in which reveals that Darth Vader is Luke's father, and w and it was also ranked as one of the one of the greatest plot twists in cinema, and one of the few quoted lines, or should I say, misquoted lines, because in in pop culture, the line the line "No, I am your father" has been mixed up to be "Luke, I am your father." So if you know what I'm saying, just to throw that out there. But anyway, anyway, but anyway, that's a little bit of the background of Star of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Well, it was originally called Empire Strikes Back, but later on, it served as the fifth installment of the Star of the Star Wars franchise or the Skywalker Saga. Because what we know years later, we got three prequel films and, of course, three sequel films as well. And that's a whole lot. And that's a whole lot. Now. Just to give in uh, my background on uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, I I was actually introduced to the film when I was very little. Now I didn't get into Star Wars until I until I first saw Return of the Jedi. Because fun fact: Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi was my introduction. Was actually my introduction to uh, Star to Star Wars, to the, to watching the Star Wars movie. With The Empire Strikes Back, I actually got introduced to it when I was very little, and I was watching a, only one one or two scenes of it on TV. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what Star Wars was. I This was me no, not even knowing what what is Star Wars. What is Star Wars? What's this movie about? Why does it look so uh, so interesting? Well, the fact is because I recognized uh, one of the actors, and one of the actors was basically Harrison Ford. The reason why I recognized him because because of his role in Indiana in the Indiana Jones films. Now, also the fact I got into I got introduced to the Indiana Jones first before Star Wars, so that's a little bit of a of a mix up on my part because because I because uh, because Indiana Jones came out right after the first two Star Wars movies. Now, of course, uh, with Empire Strikes Back released in 1980, the very first Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford came out in 1981. So that's where, that's, that's where I kind of got my introduction to Star Wars a little bit. Now, years later, I started to watch, I, I started to watch all the Star Wars movies, and believe me, whether you love, whether you love them or hate them, 
the the Star Wars franchise will go down in history as probably one one of the one of the, one uh, as one of the biggest movie franchises of all time. Empire Strikes Back is obviously the best Star Wars movie, for, according to many people, because it had the higher it had the biggest expectations to like have to what to what you need to have in a sequel, which is basically like basically the faults. The expectations and of course like what's gonna what what we got moving forward because the original star wars movie i mean the original star wars movie was obviously one of the best movies of all time but but with empire strikes back it literally took the movie to the next level now the film itself actually had a crazy production and actually turned out to be a difficult production and i believe it's most notably due to the opening to the opening because the opening what we were all what well, we all know that the opening it takes place on the ice ice snow and ice planet of Hoth. Definitely a very cold planet. And of course the almost the entirety of the first act was actually filmed in Norway just so they could get like just so they can get the, the snow. Of course the other the actors have also faced like faced several injuries, illnesses, fires and problems securing additional financing at, at a cost because the film was initially budgeted at $8 million, and it went up to $30.5 million by the project's conclusion. So that's not an easy, so that's not an easy task for, for this film, because when you, when you make a sequel to the film that came out, that came out three years, that came out three, that literally came out three years later, you're expecting something else. And it's a hard task to follow, because you gotta, like, you gotta like imp not only improve but also but also bring the film to the next level just to like give an audience an idea of like okay this is a little different from the previous film and yeah Star Wars Episode Five The Empire Strikes Back was obviously obviously a little different sure it serves it it continued the the story from where from where uh, A New Hope left off but the fact is. That film, that film literally, literally changed everything. Literally changed everything in terms of like where we're going, where where we're going, where we're going. So, any anyway, um, I'm just gonna go into the plot of the. I'm just gonna go into the film just to break it down. So, so basically, so basically, spoiler alerts, and also, and also, as I mentioned, like since. May the 4th is right around the corner. Might as well talk about this film. So why not? <laughs> so anyway, as I mentioned, the film was set three years after the events of Episode 4. So basically the destruction of the Death Star. The Imperial fleet, led by Darth Vader, dispatches probe droids across the galaxy to, to find Princess Leia's Rebel Alliance. With one, with one probe droid locating the Rebel base on the ice planet Hoth. And, and of course, as I meant, and of course, uh, I mentioned David Prowse playing Darth Vader. But however, uh, David Prowse was basically the stand-in for Darth Vader, the bo the body doubles, one of the I believe it was a body double, but it was like the stand-in for Darth Vader. While James Earl Jones provides the voice of Darth Vader. I'm just gonna say this right now: James Earl Jones will go down as as the top as the top actor to voice Darth Vader. I mean, I know there have been several other voice actors who who will later take on the voice of Darth Vader and, and like most notably like in video games of Star Wars, but and of course uh, several uh, Lego shorts. But when it comes to the movies, 
James Earl Jones will go down in history as one of the one of the greatest voice actors for Darth Vader. And he, he has done a fantastic job providing the voice for one of the, for one of the most um, powerful Sith Lords ever to come out of Star Wars. Now to continue now to continue on, we see Luke Skywalker doing doing running running a lap with his uh with his tauntaun with his tauntaun on the ice planet of Hoth. Of course, he gets ambushed by a Wampa before he can investigate the probe droid because uh, Luke Skywalker saw the probe droid, but he gets gets but he gets gets ambushed by a Wampa. But thankfully, he was able to escape by using the Force to retrieve his lightsaber and wound the beast. Basically, he cut the Wampa's arm off, and that's pretty brutal. Luke Skywalker was battling through the tough web, we, tough web weather, succumbing to hypothermia. And of course, I mean, knowing the fact that actually, the actor, the actors who were actually filming the hot scenes, literally, literally got into this entire, literally caught through the entire weather. Like it is brutal. What the weather over there is brutal. It is brutal weather. I can't imagine what it was like for the actors to go to film this entire first act on the on the planet Hoth and get and battling through the tough cold conditions as well. So basically, basically the four spirits of Obi-Wan Kenobi played played by Alec Guinness sees Luke and instructs him to go to the planet Dagobah. Which is basically the swamp planet where uh, Jedi Master Yoda is is living on until until uh, Luke passes out. Han Solo, played played by Harrison Ford, discovers Luke and he was able to help insulate him against the weather inside a deceased Tauntaun mount until they are rescued the next morning. And yes, uh, uh, Luke. It was able to get warm inside the remains of a tauntaun. I mean, I can't imagine how disgusting that is. Although um, I didn't know what that was. I thought it was. I thought. I thought it was just like. I thought the smell was just gonna go. Was just gonna float in outside. But I later found this out in another movie outside of Star Wars: The Revenant, where um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character actually slept inside the remains of of a dead horse and and i and i was just like how do i see this before but it was but how do i saw that how do i see this before and then I, and then i got the connection with star wars empire strikes back and i was like i got it now i got it so yeah as disgusting as it is that luke went inside the remains of a tauntaun just to keep warm it is pretty mind-boggling knowing the fact that you know something that luke really needs to get warm while han solo is just building building the shelter just to like just 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 until the uh, until they're rescued by the other rebels and the storm clears so the the rebels the, the rebels were alerted about about the luke's uh whereabouts but it wasn't until but it what but it wasn't until you know the fact we get another scene where uh leia princess leia and han solo are literally bickering over each other now I don't know the reason why they're arguing against each other, although I guess you can make the argument that Han Solo is obviously a bounty hunter who works uh, for Jabba the Hutt, to which we were, we we don't get to see Jabba the Hutt until the next movie. But uh, but the fact is, I guess you can make the argument that 
Layla and Han are just arguing over about each other. Maybe it's just because Han Han was leaving just go just to go do another job. But I guess you can also make the argument that Layla is in love with Luke, to which we know we literally know know what the review was in the next film. So yeah. If you know what I'm if you know what I'm talking if you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, the Empire launches a large scale attack using AT-AT walkers to capture the base, forcing the rebels to evacuate. So so yeah, there was definitely a large scale attack. And I'm just gonna say this right now, the I will say this the Battle of Hoth, I find it to be one of the most cheesiest battle because of the effects, but I can't argue against this because it is a pretty cool battle knowing the fact that the rebels are literally outnumbered they get outnumbered by giant AT-AT walkers do you realize how big those those machines are those those walkers are some I believe I see them as one of the most dangerous Star Wars vehicles not only took out the rebel base but like some of the but most of the rebel members like and is it possible to take them down because the only way to take down those walkers is to use to use one of the spaceships that i believe is a uh it was a it was a hoth it was a hoth spaceship they were able to take it down by uh using grappling by using grappling hooks and tie around their legs and and to me that's pretty that is very impressive but at the time of the effects the effects i guess you could say they're cheesy but they still hold up those effects still hold up in my opinion and those effects on the AT-AT walkers are still awesome they are awesome and this is when technology was starting to advance a little more a little more just to say, just to say the least but anyway anyway but anyway also I forgot to mention that Luke even blows up an AT-AT by go by you by going into the belly of an AT-AT walker by throwing a detonator inside so Obviously, two AT-AT walkers were take were taken out. Although, if you play the Lego game of Star of Lego Star Wars, you take out multiple AT-AT walkers. I believe you take at least you take out at least uh, I will say between six to eight AT-AT walkers in the Lego Star Wars video game. Just 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 saying. I'm just uh, just to let you all know uh, how the how that game works. But for the film, you see at least two AT-AT walkers being taken out. And then of course, and then of course, we also we also get to see a cameo from Julian Glover, who plays one of the uh, who plays one of the general one of the generals who served under Darth Vader. He he was able to lead the attack. He led the attack. Fun fact: Julian Glover will later go on to appear with Harrison Ford on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as Walter Donovan. Just to throw that, just to just to throw that out there. So. Anyway, the the rebel the rebels were able to escape the planets, but also but the fact is, Darth Vader comes comes into the rebel base to find uh, to find Princess Le to find Princess Leia, but also the fact but Leia and Han Solo along with Chewbacca, C-3PO, they were able to escape to escape the base with the Millennium Falcon, despite the the damage the Millennium Falcon has because. The um the hyperdrive is damaged. The, the the hyperdrive for the Millennium Falcon is damaged, which I don't know the reason why the the hyperdrive do to go into hyperspace. You know the hyperdrive to go into hyperspace that goes into supersonic speed. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why that that was damaged to say. I mean I think there's a reason behind it, although I might have I might have slipped up on that. 
when I when I saw when I saw Empire Strikes Back, just to say. So so then Luke Luke decides to go to the planet Dagobah along with R two D two. After after the battle. Now the rest of the film, the rest of the film is divided into, it's divided into two different. It feels like two different stories, even though it's one film. It feels like you're watching two different stories, but with the same connection because uh, because uh, we get one side of the story where it's just Le Layla, Han, Chewbacca, and C three PO fly flying through the galaxy just to like fix up the hyperdrive while avoiding the the Empire, while Luke and R2-D2 are on the planet Dagobah just to, to, just to get the training in. And so, to me, it almost feels like you're watching two different stories into one. And I think that's a pretty cl clever way to keep the movie going, is to show, like, two different stories combined into one movie. And the fact is, it, it, works, ver it works very well, because I already mentioned that this sequel literally, it literally set the bar for high expectations because the sequel because when it comes to sequels you really want to set high expectations for a film to be good and sometimes you know sometimes a film with too much hype can ruin the film at times in my opinion but but for a sequel to but when when it comes to a sequel you want to try that tries to be, be better than the first the, there's got to be some big expectations and that's what and that's what Empire Strikes Back ha did so anyway, so anyway, so anyway, um, going back and forth between the stories, um, Han, Leila, Chewbacca, and C-3PO—they're avoiding the the Empire fleet by going into an asteroid field where where Han and Leila, Han and Princess Leia grow closer amid the tension between the two. So yes, we were able to get. We we were able to get and get some nice moments with Han and Leia. So this is where the love, I believe the love triangle begins to happen, you know, this is like the love triangle between, you know, Layla making out with Han and Luke, although, like I said, we, there's a different, there's a big reveal in, in Return of the Jedi that, that, that is, that the, that it was different, <laughs> so, 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 but, but I will say this, I feel like the chemistry between Layla and Han that chemistry is a lot memorable and better between Rey and Kylo Ren from the sequel trilogy. I'm I'm just want to get that out of my system. As much as I love the as much as I love the conversation between Rey and Kylo Ren in the sequel trilogy, their love their love chemistry their love chemistry falls flat in the sequel trilogy because the love chemistry between uh, Han and Leia has was done better in the original trilogy than when Rey and Kylo Ren's love than than what Ky Kylo Ren and Rey had in the sequel trilogy. Conversations they had in the sequel trilogy was good, but their love chemistry, nope, not not even close. I I just want to say that. Han and, Layla's, Han and Layla's chemistry in Star Wars, probably the best love chemistry I have ever seen in this film. Moving forward, Han, Han, Han was trying to fix the hyperdrive until, until, until there was something going on in the asteroid field because Han and the Millennium Falcon, they were hiding inside a cave, although it was no cave. It was a, um, 
I don't. I forgot what it was. It looked like a space. It, it was probably a uh, an asteroid worm or a space eel of some sort. I really forgot what it was, but it was probably a space a space eel that was trying to eat the Millennium Falcon, even though <laughs> even though Han mistaken it for Han accidentally thought it was a cave. He mistaken the eel for a cave, so it was no cave. And of course, and of course, we even get to see. Uh, we would get to see Darth Vader, Darth Vader meeting the Emperor for the very first time on screen. And the Emperor, I will say this: the Emperor was played by a different actor. The it was the Emperor was voiced by Clive Reville, and then portrayed by Elaine Baker. So basically, they had two different actors: one for voice and one for a stand-in. However, in later installments, most notably the films, Ian McDermott went on to play the Emperor. If you thought James Earl Jones will go down as one of the best voice actors for Darth Vader, Ian McDermott, Ian McDermott will go down in history as the be as the best portrayal as Emperor Palpatine. Like Ian McDermott, his voice for the Emperor will live on in history as one of the most scariest Star Wars villains out there in all Star Wars me in all of Star Wars media. I know other I know the other actors like. Like Tim Cur like Tim Curry and Ian Abercrombie were able to play the emperor, play the emperor in other Star Wars media, most notably the TV, sh most notably the uh, Star Wars the Clone Wars TV shows and Star, including Star Wars Rebels. But Ian McDermott, come on, Ian McDermott, he is the emperor of Star Wars movies, man. Now moving forward, now moving forward, now moving forward, uh, Darth Vader also hired uh, bounty hunters. We got we got introduced to uh, more bounty hunters, even though the the uh, the previous film introduced some of the bounty of uh, some of the bounty hunters, most notably Greedo in Episode Four. But we got introduced to more bounty hunters, most notably Boba Fett. Boba Fett is one of the bounty hunters for uh, is one of the bounty hunters that Darth Vader hired. Plus, there were other bounty hunters that came in as well, like IG88. And, and Bosk as well, including Dengar as well. Although it's a shame we don't really see the other bounty hunters in uh, in the rest of the Star Wars movies, but we do see Boba Fett in in Episode Six. Fun fact: If you watch Star Wars Episode Four, like the one of the most recent re-releases or special editions, there is a scene where you see Jabba the Hutt having a conversation with Han. But Boba Fett also appears during that scene, so that so we got an introduction to Boba Fett in Episode Four. However, that scene in the in that scene in the original film prior to his original release was cut, so we never got to see Boba nor Jabba the, Jabba the Hutt in the original Star Wars film when it first came out in 1977. Now with the re-release, whether now with the re-release of the special edition, whether you love it or hate it. We got to see Boba Fett for the first time in in Star Wars: A New Hope. Now, and 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 now to be fair, when it comes to the original release, Boba Fett was introduced in Empire Strikes Back movie-wise. But when it comes to media, when it comes to media, Boba Fett was actually introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes, Boba Fett was actually introduced to was introduced. In the Star Wars holiday special, media-wise, but for film, when it comes to movies, Boba Fett got his first introduction in Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. Like a little, that's so that's a little something. Like 
you may not realize that hey we you get we got to see this character first in a movie but what we don't realize that in other media that character actually appeared appeared before it's kind of like a weird pattern where you realize that hey this is the first time i see a character in this movie but no that character actually appeared in star wars before but it was before but it was actually in a different but it was in a different show or film before the other film so that's kind of like that's basically kind of it's kind of a weird pattern but if you kind of get the point what i'm trying to say you you know so but so anyway boba fett decides so basically boba fett tracks down han and the millennium falcon to cloud city where uh, Han has a has an old friend over there, and his old friend is named uh, Lando Calrissian, being played by none other than Billy D. Williams. Boba Fett was able to track them down there, as a uh, as Lord as they were ha as Darth Vader was about to have dinner with uh, with some of the rebel mem with some of the rebel some of the members of the Rebel Alliance, most most notably Han, Leia, Chewbacca. But no, no, knowing the fact that this was a setup. It was basically a setup, and Vader and Bulba set up uh, Lando Calrissian for this, and basically backs it's basically a backstabbing thing. Although we do know later on, Lando does Lando does help the Rebel Alliance as well. So, so the fact so, but also Darth Vader knows that Luke is coming. Also, another fun fact, you know, like the scene where uh, Han Solo shoots his uh, shoots his gun in front of Darth Vader. There's actually a weird, there's actually a weird blooper of how it was made. Like, like if you watch behind the scenes, like the way how uh, how it was how the scene was done, like the way that how the scene was done, like it was shot pretty weird. Like, Han, like like Han shoots his gun, but somehow he loses, but somehow drops, the, loses the gun, loses the gun. It cuts. Then you get a, then you get a weird then you get a couple of weird shots of the gun being tossed in the air and it lands into and lands into Vader's hand because a Vader is obviously using the force. But the way how Vader caught it in the blooper, the uh, the crew just gave him the just tossed the gun. The crew just tossed the the gun to Vader's hand as if it, as if he was using the force. That that was actually edited and it was actually edited like that and I, that caught me off guard. And at the same time, it's pretty. Even though it's a scary moment, but it's a pretty funny moment too. Once you once you learn like what went down behind the scenes for for that for that very moment. Now we move on to um, the Dagobah segment, where Luke, where Luke is with R two D two in his X wing fighter to the, the planet of Dagobah, where he crash lands into the murky waters. He meets uh, Master Yoda, a a creature who reluctantly accepts him as as his Jedi apprentice after conferring with Obi-Wan's spirit. Also a fun fact, uh Frank Oz, Frank Oz who plays Yoda, Frank Oz uh started Frank Oz has was do was also uh doing another project after uh Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Now I don't know what the other project was, but I'm assuming it had to do something with the Muppets because uh the Muppets uh, got their because Frank Star Frank Frank Oz got his start by doing the the Muppets alongside with Jim Henson, and of course you get the Jim Henson Company as well for um, the Muppets. Like Frank Oz, 
Frank Oz and Jim Henson, they actually made a Muppet episode dedicated to Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. And I and that came out prior to the release of Empire Strikes Back because of the popularity because of the popularity of Star Wars. So the Muppet so there was a Muppet episode from the original Muppet TV show where um the Muppets dedicated an entire episode to to Star Wars prior to the release of Empire Strikes Back, to which Frank Oz, who plays um, multiple Muppet characters, most notably Fozzie Bear and Miss Piggy, they did an episode. They did a Muppet episode dedicated to Star Wars with Mark Hamill as the as the guest star, uh, and of course, it's also includes C three PO and R two D two, and of course, Luke Skywalker as well. You gotta include that as well, which I thought that was a pretty thought that was a pretty nice fun fact. Now, in while while I never stated what the project Frank Oz was doing, but the, that Muppet episode, I'm assuming it was that episode. Luke begins to train with Yoda, and, and although he does, str- although he does struggle a bit, and if you thought Anakin Skywalker was the whiny one, a lot Luke Skywalker was obviously one was obviously whiny too. So I don't understand why a lot of people are saying Anakin's the most whiny Jedi when you have Luke Skywalker being a whiny Jedi as well. So. That's a, that's, that's a, here's a, this is a nitpick, that's a little nitpick that I don't understand to why the prequel trilogy gets a lot of hate. Yes, it does have its flaws, but a lot of people are saying that Anakin at training to become a Jedi was being whiny, but a lot of people who probably seen the prequel trilogy probably forgot that Luke was also a whiny Jedi as well. So, so a lot of people are forgetting that, hey, Luke, Luke got his whininess from his father, I guess. <laughs> Luke continues to train with Yoda, and also, uh, and also, Luke has a huge challenge to face, which is basically going into the dark side of the forest, where he meets up with, uh, where he meets up with what appears to be Darth Vader, but it was a, uh, but it was actually, but it was actually himself, because, because, because. Because the thing is, Yoda tra- wants to train Luke to master the light side of the Force and resist the negative emotions that that will seduce him to the dark side, and that's what happened with Darth Vader. Luke struggled to control his anger and impulsiveness and fails to comprehend the nature and power of the Force until he witnesses Yoda use use it in a telekinetic moment where Yoda lifts the X-wing from the swamp. And my goodness, that was actually one of the best moments of this film, where Yoda Yoda lifts the X-wing. Even though Yoda is small, he it is nothing compared to how he's able to lift the X-wing. He is able to lift the X-wing so calmly. He he he, he remembers to focus, and and was able to lift the X-wing like. Like compared to Luke, Luke struggles a lot in this movie because he's trying to train hard to become a Jedi, but his his anger gets in the way of everything, which probably explains why he fails to go up against his dark side self in in the dark side of the forest, and of course failing to lift his X wing out of the swamp, which is why Yoda says that is why you fail. So later, so basically, so basically, Luke was able to uh, Luke was able to continue training until he 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 sees a vision of Han and Leia in pain and wants to go go to this city, which is basically Cloud City, 
However, Obi Wan appears. He warns. Um, he warns Luke to. He he tells Luke not to go. And he tells Luke not to go, but Luke wants to wants to save Han and Leila from Darth Vader and go up against Vader by himself. And of course, we get this moment from Obi Wan. For Obi Wan, it says, "I will not. I will not interfere." Because here's the thing: Obi Wan doesn't want to interfere with everything. Doesn't want to interfere with Luke, Luke and Vader's confrontation. Because the thing is, Obi Wan has been in this before. He has confronted Vader. He has confronted Vader before. Luke fighting off Vader. It's his fight. It's not Obi Wan's fight. It is Luke's fight. It's Luke's fight, not Obi Wan's fight. Because if Obi Wan interferes, then it will be a different battle, which probably explains why Luke decided to go on his own to fight off Vader. Despite the aftermath of the fight that he he calls out for Ben, it's like a moment. It's like one of those moments that says, "Okay, you better. Okay, if you want to do this, go ahead. But don't come knocking on my door. Don't come knocking on my doorstep begging for help." That's like a that's like a moment where you. That's like it's like one. It's like this, this is a moment like that. That's like a moment like that where where now where we see Luke begging for Obi Wan's help now because he knew he was outnumbered. After the fight, but that moment where he says, "I will not interfere," it's basically him. Moment, it's basically a moment that says, "Don't come knocking on my doorstep begging for help like that." Dang, that's like that. Dang, that's like a moment right there. That kind of like, whew. If you know what I'm saying, if you know, if you know what I'm saying, but uh, but knowing the fact later on, we do get a pretty good quote from what we want saying, "That boy is our last hope," and then Yoda's like, "No." There is another. So technically, there is another hope, which also hints that that Layla is there. So I, so Luke is not the only hope there. I'm pretty sure it is Layla too, because there's also hope for Layla as well. So then, Darth Vader tortures Han Solo, and then Darth Vader, um, Darth Vader breaks the deal, breaks, switches the deal with Lando. Like he tells Boba Fett to. Take take to take Han Solo to Jabba Hut while he while Vader deals with Luke Skywalker, and of course and of course uh, and of course Vader switches the deal up like he, where he sw- he made a deal saying that he want that he wants Han Solo to, he wants Boba Fett to go he wants Boba Fett to take Han to Jabba the Hut in Frozen Carbonite, but he switches the deal just to have um, he switches the deal to have. Layla, the Wookiee, and 3PO out of Cloud out of Cloud City because he originally because Lando was originally going to keep the three safe, but Vader switches the deal. So that's kind of out of a that's so basically Vader does not mess around. He really wants Layla. He wants to capture Leia so the Empire could win. And I will tell you this: overall, the Empire does win in the Empire Strikes Back. It's called the M- the movie. This Star Wars movie is called Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. You know the Empire has got a lot of tricks up their sleeves, and they won. The Empire wins. The Empire wins because Darth Vader was able to take out Luke Skywalker's hand, freeze Han Solo in carbonite, and of course, and of course, take out an entire Rebel base on Hoth. And they even have a huge Super Star Destroyer. With an with a huge stormtrooper army to take over the entire galaxy, like the Empire wins in this film. 
I can't remember any other Star Wars film where where the Empire wins. I believe Star Wars Episode Five is the only Star Wars film where the Empire wins. The Empire literally wins in this in this film. Just saying, just telling you all, the Empire wins in Star Wars Episode Five. The Empire Strikes Back. So, so, so then we get to see uh, Han. We get to see Han Solo free, for going into confessing, confessing her love. No, we see Han Solo confessing his love for Leia. For Leia, although at, later on we see Leia confessing her love for Han before Vader freezes him in carbonite to test whether the process will will safely imprison Luke, which it does because Han survives and is given to Boba Fett, who, who, as I already said, wanted Boba, who wanted Boba Fett to take Han to Jabba the Hutt just so he can collect his bounty. Now, 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 now we get to see, now we get to see a crazy, uh, crazy battle where Lando, Leia, and Chewbacca are able to fight off the stormtroopers. And then, of course, the group was able to fight off as many stormtroopers to the Falcon and flee the city. Plus, Lando was able to help to help evacuate the the vacu to help evacuate the city of Cloud City, where the Empire is about to take over. So he was able to do that safely. And uh, and then, of course, we get a nice little we get a, we actually get a nice scene where Lando was able to like trick the the stormtroopers by having one of his uh, robots and some of his uh, Cloud City guards to 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 uh take to to free Layla and Chewbacca and they were able to do that pretty they were able to do that pretty well because the class city guards took the other stormtroopers took the other stormtroopers away. I don't know where they went but I'm pretty sure they were in prison. But also I forgot to mention C3PO we don't really see a whole lot of C3PO in this movie because C3PO is damaged. Like, this film completely wiped out C-3PO because C-3PO accidentally went inside a room where the Ugnaughts uh, shot him down. And Chewbacca had to replace C-3PO in, inside his own uh, backpack. And so, yes, he's, so the rest of the, for the rest of the film, you see C-3PO inside Chewbacca's backpack because, you know, C-3PO got destroyed. <laughs> oh, boy. So then, so then we get to the, we, so then as Layla and Layla, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca escape on the Millennium Falcon, we get to see the fight, the fight between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. And, and I will say this, the, I will say this, this is the best fight in this film. The, the fight, the final fight between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker is the best fight in Empire Strikes Back. Because, because, because of the fact that we have Luke Skywalker facing off a Sith Lord for the very first time on screen. Now, sure, we see that. Now, sure, yes, we saw Obi Wan Kenobi fighting off Darth Vader for the first time in the original Star Wars movie. But what? But when it comes to a film that has a big twist. Right in, right at the end of the fight, it's a matchup you would never have thought. You would never realize that that he that Luke Skywalker is going up against his father. This is this is a father and son fight that is going on in this film, and and I will tell you this: 
Darth Vader wiped the floor. He was able to wipe Luke Skywalker. Like, like the fight itself, like Luke does pick up a does pick Luke picked up a good fight. Luke has picked Luke picked up a good fight, but he was outmatched by Darth Vader. And because he took out Luke Skywalker by using the force on a multiple on multiple using multiple packages as he sends him flying out the window only to be only to get only for Luke to grab onto a to a hand railing and then the fight ends with Vader cutting off Luke's hand prior to Luke uh, giving Darth Vader a nice little uh, prior to Luke prior to Luke grazing Darth Vader's uh, elbow which also could hint that Luke's going to go for the hand in the next film. And then, of course, we get the big reveal from Darth Vader himself telling Luke that Darth Vader is the father to Luke Skywalker. And from what I heard, when the film was released in 1980, in, for the people who had seen it in theaters, were shocked. There was a huge gasp from the audience realizing that that Darth Vader is Luke's father and of and this is a huge twist that is one of the biggest twists that you have ever seen in a Star Wars film and I, I'm just gonna tell you this right now Darth Vader's twist from Star Wars episode 5 the Empire Strikes back beats out any any villain revealed twist from any of the previous Disney animated movies. I'm just gonna throw this out of my systems. Look, look, I like the um, I like that I like the twist from Frozen. I like the twist from Frozen and the twist from Wreck It Ralph. But any uh, any other twists from like 2016 onward, like some of those films do not hold. Some of those twist moments from any of the previous Disney animated films from 2016 onward, they don't hold a candle to what. The, the twist in Empire Strikes Back had. So after the fight, Luke, uh, Luke, Luke is faced with a decision. Come with his father so he and Darth Vader can rule the galaxy as father and son and take out the Emperor. Or Luke accepts his defeat and falls off the railing. Which Luke decides to fall off the railing, which is basically, you know... What choice do you have left? Join the dark side or join the light side? So technically, he did go for the light side, although it did cost him a price for his hand because he was a because he is hanging because he is hanging off the rails of the of Cloud City underneath, with his hand already falling down falling down to I don't know where it went, but it probably went somewhere else, I guess. <laughs> So anyway, um, Luke begs for Obi-Wan to come to help, although like I mentioned, uh, this is like a moment where Obi-Wan should not interfere, where Obi-Wan said he's not going to interfere. So technically Luke got some karma after this. I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say this, Luke got karma after this, like, because he's a, a, a white, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm throwing this out there, I'm, I'm just going to get this out of my system. Luke is a whiny swamp school dropout. <laughs> he's just a whiny swamp school dropout. Like, he's, like, begging to get training done quick. Like, 
training takes time. Like Luke, Luke really needs that time. And of course, he let his emotions get in the way. Like Luke didn't take his time to train. He was a whiny swamp school dropout. And and his emotions got in the way. That's just karma for you, Luke. <laughs> just to throw this out of my system. So then, um, so then as the as uh, Lando, Layla, and Chewie are escaping on the Millennium Falcon, Layla feels a disturbance in the Force. She knows Luke is at Cloud City, and she she understands Luke because of the Force connection. So this is where um that this whole line that Yoda says, "No, there is another." That's, that is the that is basically the connection to Layla's because now Layla is feeling Luke's connection right now to the Force. So then they go back to rescue Luke while avoiding the Tie Fighters from the from the Empire. They were able to escape. They were able to escape right right as Darth Vader was was trying to reconnect with Luke, telling him that it is your destiny. Luke, come to me. Come. Come to me, Luke. But nope, because the, the Millennium Falcon was able to go into hyperdrive right after R2-D2 fixes the hyperdrive. And I forgot the reason behind why the hyperdrive was damaged. But uh, at the very end of the day, R2-D2 R2 was able to fix the hyperdrive. He was able to save everybody on the Millennium Falcon. So if anything, despite the Empire winning... R2-D2 saves the day. R2-D2 saves the day by fixing the hyperdrive to a Millennium Falcon. How is that a, how is that a minor character, a, a supporting character like R2-D2 was able to save the day? To which I don't really understand, but hey, it is what it is. R2-D2 saves the day. Although, uh, although the Empire wins. The Empire wins in this movie. Sorry, sorry, Rebel Alliance, but the Empire wins this film. So aboard the Rebel fleet, Luke was able to get another hand, although it is a robotic prosthetic, and and he's able. So basically, he's able to get his hand back. Although I guess you could say it resembles his real hand, which it is, but it's more of a it's more of a prosthetic. So then, uh, so so then uh, he so then Luke, Leia, C three PO, and R two D two observe as Lando and Chewbacca depart on the on the Millennium Falcon to find Han Solo, which of course goes into the next film, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. By the way, Lando Calrissian also wears Han's clothes. Like, he literally wears Han's uh, clothes. I liked how in the Family Guy Star Wars episode, Something Something Dark Side, um, Brian, who plays Chewbacca in the uh, Family Guy version of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, he's, he literally points out that Lando Calrissian um, is wearing Han's clothes, and Brian's like, like guys, watch the movie. Lando Calrissian actually wears Han Solo's clothes in the, in this scene. I like the joke that they they literally made that that Family Guy made in this film. That was back when Family Guy was good. Family Guy nowadays, it's hit or miss. But anyway, the film that's where the film ends. This is the end of the film. This is the end of Empire Strikes Back. Now, but now, I can understand why some people didn't like this film when it first came out because of the mature themes. Of the because of the mature themes of this film, but I like over time. I like how over time it has become the best Star Wars movie, not only in the in the in the original trilogy, but the best Star Wars movie in the franchise as a whole. I guess and 
and that and that is saying something because the expectations were high. They set the bar. The filmmakers set the bar for this film. Even though George Lucas didn't direct Empire Strikes Back, he was able to keep the story going, and he does a fantastic job with it. And of course, I want to mention another thing about this film, and it will be a war crime not to mention it. John Williams' musical score. Like, when it comes to Star Wars, you think, even though you think of the action scenes, the moment, the, the, the moments from this film, but for movies, but for the when it comes to like music, John Williams has created one of the most epic scores, one of the, one of the best musical scores for this for this movie. And of course, and of course, of course, while saying this, John Williams will go down as the best film composer to come out of Hollywood. His Darth Vader theme for for the his his theme for a uh, Darth Vader and of course the entire entire empire is literally the in my opinion the best music theme for a villain introduction in the original trilogy. Dun 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 dun. dun. I mean, come on, you can't you can't deny it. The Darth Darth Vader's theme serves as a perfect theme. To not only for not only Darth Vader but also the entire Empire as well for the original Star Wars trilogy, Darth Vader's theme holds up as as one of, as the best villain themes for the entire original trilogy. Not 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 and not 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 for the entire franchise as a whole, but for the original trilogy, the original trilogy as a whole. And, and I'm just saying this right now. Villain introductions don't get any better than this when it comes to original trilogies like the Star Wars original trilogy from John Williams his, himself. And, and then, of course, I, I, and of course, I like the casting as well. The casting did a very good job. And I also want to bring this up. I forgot to mention this during, my, uh, during the whole Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. I got a feel there, there, and this is a theory for me. I got a feeling the I got a feeling while Han Solo was in Carbonite, he was probably he was probably dreaming. He probably had a dream of as an archaeologist. Like he goes on an adventure as an archaeologist rather than a uh, rather than a bounty hunter that he is. Like I'm, <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying this because uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark came out about a year after Empire Strikes Back because George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan, will, including Harrison Ford, will go on to make Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark with director Steven Spielberg. So that that's a theory of mine. Like, this is just my theory that that while Han Solo was in Carbonite, he was dreaming of, be, of being, an, being an archaeologist just to look, just to look for, for artifacts and go on huge adventures with Marion Ravenwood, and of course, all, of course, other other characters as well. I'm just throwing this out there as a theory. So anyway, so anyway, that is my that wraps up for this episode. This episode, 
And I, for those of you who are probably listening, I hope you enjoy. And I just want to say this. And I just want to. Say, and I just also want to ask, like, what did you think of Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back? Does it still hold up? Does it does it really hold up as the best Star Wars movie of all time? I mean, please let me know your thoughts. And if I'm missing out on anything from this film, please let me know. Comment below if I'm missing out on anything. And if you have a favorite moments from this film, do let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts about Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. So anyway, that wraps up for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies and stay positive.